0: Missouri lawmakers are headed back to Jefferson City this week to dive into the 2020 legislative session. Both Republicans and Democrats expect redistricting, guns, and health care to be topics of discussion. But will legislators actually accomplish anything on those issues? On the latest episode of Politically Speaking, St. Louis Public Radio's Julie O'Donohue and Jacqueline Driscoll join me to preview this year's Missouri General Assembly session. Is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money.
2: And welcome to Politically Speaking. It's our first show? No, it's not our first show of the 2020 new year. It's not. Oh, well. It's our second show of the new year, correct?
0: I, I guess. Okay. I don't, I've lost track already. It's been so crazy. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm your host, Julie O'Donohue. Today I am joined by my co-host...
0: Jason Rosenbaum.
2: And our
1: other co-host
2: in Jefferson City...
1: Jacqueline Driscoll.
2: Today we are getting together to talk about the legislative session, uh, and we want to go over what some of the big issues uh, we expect to see. So I'm going to start with you, Jacqueline. What do you think... Uh, is going to be on tap for this legislative session
1: from speaking with leaders in both the House and Senate. Obviously, guns and tackling urban violence is going to be very important. Health care, although the Medicaid um, ballot initiative is circul- circulating throughout the state, there's going to be other health care initiatives that uh, some Democrats are going to bring up. And obviously, Jason's favorite topic, redistricting um, and-, and vaping. So both Jason's going to be really excited this session. Oh my um, but it is an election year. So uh, I think we'll also see a lot of probably grandstanding from some lawmakers and may not be as exciting, but budget also important. There's just lots to talk about.
0: I think it's going to be go down uh, two possible paths. One could be that the grandstanding and the specter of the election really doesn't push the needle forward on any major issues. The other is that the legislatures just completely surprise us and actually do accomplish a lot on on really major issues. That actually happened in 2018, when not only there was an election year going on, but also the governor of the state of Missouri at the time, Eric Greitens, was getting impeached. So it is it is possible to like accomplish a whole lot legislatively amid distractive circumstances. I guess saying which one of those paths Missouri legislators are going to take at this juncture is... A little spooky. I'm not willing to do that, because I'm too scared to do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get in <laughs> to some specifics. I think first up, we want to talk a little bit about the budget and what we expect to go on in discussions of financial issues. Jacqueline, what are you hearing about that? Is the budget, is there going to be uh, problems with balancing the budget? Is everything okay?
1: So I spoke with House Speaker Elijah Har and he said that this is his most important priority as he heads into the last legislative session that he is Speaker of the House for. Um, he's He talked about some possible market correction that may be needed. There is a lawsuit pending. Essentially, it deals with the Missouri Department of Corrections employees. It, it's being appealed. There was already a ruling, but it's being appealed. And if that's not successful, the state will have to make a $100 million payout, which is pretty uh, pretty Pretty substantial payout. Um, There's the possibility of Medicaid expansion that they'll have to pay for. So there's a lot of kind of like looming issues, I think, that HAR is trying to stay ahead of um, and make sure that Missouri's in a place for a successful financial future. Um, infrastructure, transportation funding, those are obviously going to be important parts of um, budget negotiations. Uh, Jason, I, I believe you spoke with Governor Mike Parson about um, the the bonding plan that was passed in 2019 that allocated some general revenue for transportation needs um, and the governor said that that's not a permanent solution. When I spoke with Har about this though he did say that they've be- they've tried to get creative in the past in terms of how to fund the infrastructure needs for the state. Um, I've heard that there may be discussion around a possible gas tax increase. But when I spoke to her about that, he said he has no no um, intention to entertain that idea in the House at all.
0: Julie, I do know that you've talked kind of offline with legislators about that aforementioned corrections issue. And that does seem to be on the minds of a lot of people.
2: Right. So the lawsuit that Jacqueline mentioned uh, is a lawsuit uh brought by uh, prison guards I think just prison guards but maybe prison staff against the Department of Corrections regarding their pay and the issue is as I understand it that um, the Department of Corrections was not paying people who for the time when they showed up to work but they had to sit and wait to get like frisked and stuff to go into work which at some points could be a very long period of time like 40 45 minutes and so the prison guards are saying we should be paid for the time we have to show up to work to wait to get into the prison in addition to the time that we're in the prison and actually working. um and and the people I talk to um are very much think that that the state is going to lose this lawsuit and it's a hundred million dollar price tag, and they would have to provide this back pay to people if they lost. And so, that's kind of a looming issue. I think it, more in general, from what I heard, um, the budget the budget this year or this coming fiscal year is not as much of a concern, but it is a concern that both this lawsuit, for, for some people, Medicaid expansion, that there will be more pressures on Missouri's budget moving forward in out years, and that the Republicans in particular seem very concerned about what this means.
0: There's a ballot initiative that is being robustly funded by hospitals and and probably like Democratic-leaning groups are going to swoop in and probably provide this with money as well um, to expand Medicaid, I think up to 138% of the federal poverty level. This will be a culmination of a nearly 15-year debate about how much someone can make and still qualify for Medicaid. This is a debate that's gone back to the early 2000s and then had a flashpoint in 2005 when Medicaid was cut to a very, very low level. Um, You know, the thing that I've been asking legislators, especially on the Republican side, is wouldn't it be a better idea for legislators to pass something this year, find their own funding source and their own solution for how to fund Medicaid expansion rather than be dictated by a ballot initiative. And the overwhelming answer I've gotten is, no, we don't want to do that. We think this is a bad idea. We'll take our chances at the ballot box. Republicans and republican leaning groups have been abysmal at defeating ballot initiatives in recent years. We, we saw with, with what we're going to talk about later, Clean Missouri, the opposition campaign was by all accounts a complete failure. I just don't think a lot of people have a lot of faith that the people that are going to try to run against this Medicaid expansion are going to be successful. But then there's not really like any sort of like thought about how they're going to actually pay for it if they need to.
1: In terms of speaking with... Uh, House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, she is full set on this idea that Medicaid expansion is coming. The initiative is going to get on the ballot and voters are going to approve it. So she's taking the stance that... Coming into this legislative session, she wants to make sure that the enrollment process is streamlined. They're fixing issues that they have with the Medicaid program now, such as like very long call center wait times, um, where we've heard that some people are are just not getting through, um, and then they're getting kicked off of their Medicaid. So that is going to be the Democrats' focus in terms of Medicaid. There, I was. It was interesting when speaking with Har that he already had the idea that he needed to have Medicaid expansion in his head when he was thinking about the budget. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought that that was something that he was kind of just going to sweep over because it was a ballot initiative and it wasn't something that was going to be brought up very much this legislative session, but he's already thinking about it. So I think that that is pretty telling.
0: It's definitely something that's looming in the background. But I think another thing that's looming in the background that, Julie, you've been very interested in is this possible expansion of – gambling and tighter regulation of gambling. And since you have become like the gambling czar for St. Louis Public Radio. For, <laughs> I don't know
2: about that. I don't know about that either. <laughs> I
0: just want to use the term czar once in this podcast. I want you to kind of explain what the expectations are on that issue.
2: So there's two major issues. Uh, the first one is kind of one that people are going to be familiar with, which is sports betting. We've talked about it on this program before. Uh, that is, will Missouri legalize sports betting? And what form will it take? So will people be able to bet on their mobile phones? Will they have to go into a casino to bet? How will you make sure that underage people don't bet? What types of sports will they be able to bet on? Will it be college football and professional sports? Will it be, you know, will you be able to bet on high school sports? I know that seems odd, but there, you know, that is... Part of the discussion. Um, and an interesting part of that discussion is kind of how do you protect athletes if you do have legal sports betting so that they're not being approached and asked to throw games and there's no like sort of recourse for them to, to, t- to tell that person to buzz off. Um, or if someone lost a bunch of money because they messed up a play. You know, you don't want a Mizzou student suddenly have having kind of an angry person in their face who's mad that they lost a bunch of money. So there'll be a bunch of discussion about that. I think the other interesting part about sports betting is it actually doesn't produce that much money. And I know people are probably really anxious to like see another revenue stream <laughs> um, from this. That's often argument for legalizing it. But Typically, it doesn't produce that much money. And in fact, states who have passed it, some of them are coming in well under what they projected they were going to get.
0: Yeah. Jacqueline, I think, did you cover the expansion and regulation of sports betting in your last year in the Illinois legislature? And if so, how did legislators approach that issue from a very different perspective that Missouri might?
1: I did not extensively cover it. I was Primarily on the recreational cannabis side of things, but I was there throughout the conversations. Um, and it was, a, I mean, there was a really big presence in the Capitol, people that wanted sports betting to pass. Um, in terms of revenue generating streams, again, as Julie mentioned, it's not, it doesn't really. Um, bring in a lot of sustainable money. Uh, it was extremely expensive. I believe, if my notes are correct, if my memory serves me, um, it was about $10 million for a sports betting license. So um, it it would bring in revenue there at the beginning when people were looking to buy those licenses, but it, it wasn't going to be a sustainable source of income for the state.
0: And the other thing too that I think people are going to be following is the whole gray machine issue right. as well. Right.
1: So these are the
2: machines that are popping up in gas stations, uh, places like Elks lodges around the state. Uh, they're these machines that look a whole lot like a sort of cheaper version of a slot machine. And there are questions about whether they're operating legally um, in these gas stations. It, 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 in my opinion, the company has that the companies that are producing them are sort of have found a loophole in the law to put them in locations where we don't have gambling. Um, And I'm not going to go into why they they might technically not be gambling machines, but but they do look like gambling machines and you do put money in them with the intention of winning money back, much like you would a slot machine. So the fight over that is apparently very um, extensive and does not break down along party lines and kind of complicated. There's a big question about whether these machines should be allowed to exist at all, and if they do, should they be taxed and regulated like the like a lot of other kinds of gambling? And I think that there's not a whole lot of a consensus on what to do at this point <laughs>
1: with them. I, I did speak with. Um uh, House Speaker Elijah Har about this, uh, just because he mentioned that it might come up. And I did ask if there was like a consensus among the Republican caucus or if he knew of any particular stance any of his members were taking. And he made it seem very up in the air right. um, that there they were going to be uh, a lot of in-depth conversations, but he couldn't anticipate how those conversations would play out, specifically with members of the Republican Party. So I thought that that was really interesting.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things that are not clear. It's definitely not breaking down along party lines. Um, one of the makers of the machines has given a whole lot of money to the governor's pack. Uh, Governor Parson told the Post Dispatch yesterday he wasn't sure if these machines were illegal uh, or legal, which is odd because the state police are spending a lot of resources cracking down on them uh, and helping prosecutors who want to prosecute the companies that have them to do so. Before we move on to our next topic, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be back in a few seconds. And we're back. Uh, Okay, we're going to move on to a topic that we discuss often, and that is guns. Jacqueline, what do you expect (laughs) to happen around guns in the Missouri legislature?
1: I don't expect much. I expect a lot of conversation, um, but specifically any legislation surrounding guns is going to be minimal. When speaking with uh, again, Speaker Har, he was pretty hesitant to say that he would support any form of gun control. Even though the governor has come out and said that he supports um, so-called red flag laws, right? Keeping guns, trying to keep guns out of the hands of um, people who have committed domestic violence or or violent offenders. Um, and the governor has also stated that, with his law enforcement background, he believes that there should be some stricter background checks. But whether or not the top Republican in the state can get any other Republicans on board um, seems to be... like, it's a, a, a big challenge. Um, I know that Democrats really want this to be at the forefront of their agenda coming into this legislative session. When I spoke with House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, I asked her how realistic that was. Um, and and she is she said that um, they're going to be leaning on expert testimony, specifically bringing in law enforcement to talk about what challenges they see out in the field, um, what resources sources that they uh, need to police this um, kind of spike in urban violence that, that we saw um, recently. So I think it'll be obviously a very big conversation as for what might they get passed. I don't anticipate any gun control actually getting through.
2: So I have a question. How will the Democrats, because I agree with you, I think you know, I'm not sure if that's going anywhere. But if there's not even a hearing on the bill, how do the Democrats keep that issue alive throughout session if they really want to focus on it?
1: Jason, I'll lean on you because you've covered it here. But I do know that uh, I asked uh, ask Quaid that same question, not just specifically with guns, but with any bill. It's really hard for Democrats. It's Uh, to get their bills even heard in committee. I was looking at some research and it's a very low percentage Democrat bills get heard, even get a hearing committee. So they often work with other Republicans and get Republicans on the bill. Uh, Quaid said she just has to be used to not getting any of the credit for things that that do make it through that might be a, a Democrats' idea. Um, Jason, I don't know if, if that's true, if you've seen that, but I thought that was really interesting. No,
0: that's basically what has to happen. If you're a Democrat, especially in the Missouri House, and you have an idea that Republicans may like, then oftentimes you have to get a Republican to sponsor it. We have talked a lot about this issue on this show because it's an issue that I really feel should have more common ground. It should not be controversial to say, too many kids are being shot and killed in St. Louis and Kansas City, and we need to do something to stop it. And I wanna play two clips back to back, one from State Representative-elect Rasheen Aldridge and State Representative Jim Murphy. And we're gonna play those, and then I'm gonna use, use their statements to get to my next point. Here is uh, Representative-elect Aldridge. We're losing people in our communities, people that haven't even had a future. I know Isaiah, who's in the Third Ward, a uh, young, young um, individual died. He didn't even have the opportunity to graduate from elementary school. He had his whole life ahead of him. So we need to talk about this because it's a, it's being a plague across our country but also in our state. And here's Representative Murphy also on the Politically Speaking podcast.
1: Do we really want to take away people's guns or do we want to stop guns from shooting people? And, and we talk about the wrong issue. We We talk about how do you you know pre- prevent people from buying ammunition or buying guns at gun shows and all this when the real issue isn't that at all, the real issue is there's guns on the street being used illegally and they're hurting people
0: When I listen to those two clips back to back, I hear two people that have pretty much the same goal of wanting to stop these these this killing in our in our state. but it's almost like the two sides are not communicating with each other and they're not getting together and figuring out what are the ways that we can actually fix this. And I, I also think that Democrats need to like temper their re- expectation. The expectation that you're going to be able to pass really extensive gun control measures in a state like Missouri is just frankly not realistic. And they have to have other ideas beyond that to bring to the forefront, basically.
1: I, I think it's also important to point out the demographics of the state of Missouri. This was very similar in my time um, in Illinois. Although, you know, Illinois had a very strong democratic presence, it was still hard for them to pass any form of gun control also. But when you look at it, the, the state of Missouri has a very different view of, of guns right st. Louis and Kansas City have a totally different perspective of you know a rural resident in Missouri of what a gun is right in in rural Missouri you might think of hunting I know I did I come from uh, you know a, a family farm and guns were just kind of a, a part of our lifestyle. When you think about guns in a city, you think about gangs and violence. And so they're not really doing much to bridge that gap. And I think that that is also an important part of the conversations that need to happen.
2: I'm sorry I keep coming back to this, but it's hard for me to imagine how you even have a conversation if people aren't allowed to present their bills and there's no vote that happens. So for example, Representative-elect Aldridge, the child, the family of the child that was killed in his district. In my previous job in Louisiana, people like that used to come and testify about gun control bills. They did not pass. They never passed. But they came and they talked. And I, I, you know, you can argue that it didn't do much good because the bill didn't pass. But if you're not even having a conversation about those measures, if there's no Uh, public conversation about it, it's hard for me to understand how the Democrats are going to keep that in the spotlight, because unlike issues where Crystal Quaid was saying, oh, well, I just maybe find a friendly Republican to carry my idea or legislation, like, I don't think that's happening on gun control.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to be really blunt here. The Democrats have to decide, like, do they want to use this issue as a way to attack Parson politically, or do they actually want to come up with ideas that are going to actually stop killings from happening. And I guess you could say the same for Republicans, too. If Republicans are going to respond to this by just saying, we're going to like put forth bills that are going to get rid of all gun restrictions and use it as a way to showcase how pro-gun we are, that's also not going to be helpful. We went through this summer where I talked with a lot of reporters about this, and I heard all this tape from family members that were affected by this. This is not political game to people this is this has been going on in st. Louis and Kansas City to some extent Columbia and Springfield for a long time and I think that the the people there want some sort of like legislative response to this so
1: I think um, you know when I spoke with Senate Minority Leader Gina Walsh also she talked about how she just doesn't think the general public is aware of the laws that we do have um, or that quite frankly we we don't have here in the state um, and sh- sh- her goal is mainly to talk about that I don't know how she's going to keep it you know keep it at the forefront of conversation but she doesn't think a lot of people understand really I mean that you know if you're over 19 you can conceal carry a gun without any type of permit and and, i mean that that may be a very um good thing to some missourians but i think that that's uh you know a concern for people specifically in cities like st louis and kansas city where they've seen this spike in violence so maybe trying to bridge the gap a little bit i know that uh Quaid also mentioned that they weren't just going to focus on gun control. They were going to focus on other topics like um, getting more resources surrounding mental health. She talked specifically about um, the suicide rates among farmers in the state and um, possibly making that kind of a hook of conversation um, where people aren't getting the resources they need for their mental health concerns. And that might be a segue into, you know, how they can alleviate some of these issues that they have with um, guns in the state. Well, moving on to something that's pretty different. Oh, yeah. Let's talk
2: about. (laughs) You're you're not
0: going to see me cry over this issue.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about legislative redistricting, which is also supposed to be a hot topic in the session. Jason, do you want to break this down for us?
0: In 2018, Missourians approved a constitutional amendment known as Clean Missouri. It did a lot of different things. It placed a cap on how much lobbyists could pay for gifts. It increased the waiting period that legislators and legislative staff could become lobbyists. It made changes to how the Sunshine Law applies to uh, legislative documents. And it radically changed the way Uh, Missouri state legislative redistricting occurs. Many Republicans believe that last point was the entire point of clean Missouri and that the other aspects were just put in there to make it more attractive to voters. Since that amendment passed, there has been discussion among Republican legislators primarily to put something before the voters in 2020. That would effectively go back to the old system of state legislative redistricting and i want to be crystal clear about this point because one of my biggest pet peeves about discussing this issue is there have been a lot of people who just assume that the state legislative redistricting system is the same as this congressional one which is done like legislators end up passing a bill governor signs or vetoes it that is not what happened with the old system what happened was there were commissions that often always deadlocked, and more often than not, appellate court judges drew districts. The the legislature was expected to pass something in 2019 to put on the ballot for 2020, but for a lot of reasons I don't want to get into, it didn't happen. But in 2020, there's a big expectation that that's going to be one of the first issues that legislators take up, You have people like Senator Bill Eigel of St. Charles saying it's going to be a big priority. Here's a clip of him talking right now. I don't know what the people of Missouri said yes to. So we need to go back in there and take a look at that. A lot of the folks I talked to were not aware of the extensive changes and negative changes that we made to our redistricting uh, process that I think will favor the few over the many. So we're going to go, we're going to take a look at that and see if there's a better way to put this in front of the people. So people like House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid have said that combating uh, changes to the state legislative redistricting are going to be one of the big priorities of Democrats. This is what uh, Leader Quaid had to say in an interview with Jacqueline.
2: We're going to be continuing to to hold the voices of the voters. You know, the governor recently said that if Medicaid expansion passes, that he anticipates supporting that. Um, And so we believe that we should be supporting all of them, not just picking and choosing which one we listen to the voters on.
0: And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge of opponents of this new state legislative redistricting system. It's going to be very difficult to convince voters that they made a mistake in what they did. It's still a pretty compelling argument to make to ordinary people that people don't like being told that they made a mistake or were stupid, basically.
1: Right. And I think that the Republicans are going to be very careful about this, though, when I spoke with Speaker Har specifically about clean Missouri. Um, He mentioned he didn't have a whole lot of specifics, but he was framing it as a way of giving Missourians another option. It wasn't telling them that they were wrong specifically, but they put a whole lot of stuff in this uh, this constitutional amendment first, um, Clean Missouri. But now we're going to give you another option and see if you think that this is a better one. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they frame it.
2: All right, well, I want to move on to one final uh, round. I want you guys to tell me each what is a issue that you will be tracking in the legislature that might be a little offbeat.
1: I obviously, because it is an area that I love to follow and I filed it all throughout Illinois, is uh, cannabis. I would be interested to see if there is any talk in the legislature regarding recreational cannabis in Missouri. I don't think that anybody has an appetite for that conversation yet. But I also really want to follow closely um, the thing, any details surrounding the medical program, because as we know, it was approved by voters um, as a constitutional amendment. But there may be some additional issues that pop up that n- may need some correction um, that the legislators might have to take action on in terms of, you know, are kids going to be able to use their medication on school grounds? Um, I think that that was an issue that w- that got a lot of attention in Illinois when they were talking about the medical program there. So following that closely, also, it's not my favorite topic, but I think it'll be an important one, is the issue of an online sales tax.
2: For me, I'm very interested in this pain of collegiate athletes uh, issue that we're seeing kind of, we're seeing bills introduced across the country uh, after California passed such legislation. I'm interested to see what the conversation is around that. I also am interested in what, uh, this isn't an issue necessarily, but what Shamed Dogan's going to do with his Committee on Criminal Justice. Uh, It's a special committee that he's overseen. I'm just interested in what they're going to do and what might come out of their discussions.
0: One thing that I'm going to be looking for, not as a journalist but as a parent of a special needs child, is what legislators do about regulating what's known as isolation rooms. We talked with Representative Ian Mackey about how there's no state requirement to tell parents if their child are placed into isolation rooms. So I'm going to be interested to see where that goes. I'm also going to be interested to see if any legislators decide to introduce any bills allowing the city of St. Louis to vote on whether to adopt the special school district property tax. That hasn't been something that's been talked about except by me a lot. <laughs> and I'm wondering, especially with all this discussion about regionalism and about bringing the city and the county together, whether the legislature, who would have to take the lead on that, will actually do that.
2: Okay. Well, I think that is the end of this legislative podcast. Uh, please tune back in next week. We're going to be talking to Jacqueline uh, regularly throughout the session about what's happening in Jefferson City. For all of our stories, please go to stlpublicradio.org. Our news director is Shula Newman. Our politics editor is Fred Ehrlich. I'm Julie O'Donohue, and you can find me at Twitter at J.S.O'Donoghue. Jason?
0: You can find me on Twitter at J.
1: Rosenbaum.
2: And Jacqueline?
1: Driscoll NPR.
2: All right. I hope you guys continue following us throughout the spring. So long.